Welcome to Birds Breakdown. I'm your host, Tyler Jackson of BleedingGreenNation.com, joined by my co-host, Johnny Page, also BleedingGreenNation.com. And to make it a perfect trio, we have a special guest today, our uh, our boss, the managing editor over at BleedingGreenNation.com, Brandon Lee Gowton. Brandon, how are you doing today? Who's the special guest? Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Absolutely. No problem. Thanks for joining us. And Johnny, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I've recovered from my lack of sleep. I get lots of questions on Twitter, like, how do you sleep when the Eagles play? And honestly, it's really difficult. <laughs> it's, I mean, I, I le- legitimately have like a little like meditating app going on, listening to some like waves and stuff because it's hard. <laughs> and if I wake up in the middle of the night, then it's game over. I just will not get back to sleep. But I actually slept through it this time, which was quite good. Got up like just before 5 a.m. So I managed to watch the Panthers game. Very, very tired. But luckily, Friday was a good day at work because, yeah, it was a really good win. So I'm excited to talk about it. You know, uh, I mean, I'll, sometimes obviously you don't want to miss a game live, but it, just for like blood pressure's sake, it's probably better that you didn't actually watch that game live just because the, the officiating was so terrible. And it, it just felt like at any given time, like it, the Eagles could lose that game and you could point back to officiating. And that's the most frustrating kind of loss is to think that, especially in those conditions, on the road, short week against uh, one of the top teams in the NFC. And and otherwise, without the officiating, the Eagles probably would have handled them a little bit more easily. But ultimately, the the Eagles were able to overcome 15 people on the field, and they came out of Carolina with a win, and now they're on a mini-bye. But I, uh, aside from the officiating, want to go ahead and hop into what we're talking about today. As usual, we'll kind of be talking about the performances of the offense and defense, and then go on and kind of preview the Redskins as the Eagles have already played them, so that's going to be an easier preview for us, but as usual, I want to start with Carson Wentz and just how well he performed. Now, early on, the uh, the Panthers did exactly what you figure they do, and they, they attacked that right side, they blitzed off of it, and really they were able to win that way. They attacked Big V, and it was successful for them, and uh, really they were able to get pressure on Wentz, and it kind of rattled him early is what it seemed like. You could tell that he was a bit uncomfortable, but as the game progressed, he did exactly what I wanted to see from him. He was able to adjust to that pressure and really maneuver within the pocket, and he didn't let it rattle him. Like last year, it would get to him. You could see that, you know, he uh, he kind of suffered from that pressure, and this year that they've relatively they've been able to keep him clean. You know, pass rushers like Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, and even the Cardinals, the guys that they had last week, they've been able to keep them off of Carson Wentz. The only game was a Chiefs game where he was consistently facing pressure. So I was curious to see how he would adapt to that. And really, when the second quarter started, and even going into the third quarter. He was able to adjust pretty well, and he, you know, he led the Eagles to a victory. I know a lot of people talk about those short touchdown drives, but here's here's my uh, counter argument to that. When did good teams stop taking advantage of turnovers, especially like in the red zone? I don't I don't see how you can use that to detract away from what he was able to do. Because I mean, we've seen over the years for so long, even in Chip Kelly's tenure, where you know he get into the red zone, and they just stall. So. To me, like I think it's actually an indicator of how good this Eagles team is and how good Carson Wentz is that they're able to capitalize on those opportunities and come away with 15 points there. Uh, BLG, what what comments did you or thoughts did you have on Carson Wentz's performance? Uh, I just thought it was a really you know another step in the right direction. I think he's been having a, a good string of games here, which is probably an underrated, encouraging thing about that. Just not the fact that he's having a good performance here and there, but he's able to string these performances together with consistency. So I definitely like to see that. Definitely like to see how the Panthers did blitz him early on and they threw a lot of pressure at him. 
and you know it was kind of rough there they're kind of trying to figure out what the Panthers were doing eventually they settled in they figured it out Carson Wentz bounced back like he has all year on third down I mean he's been ridiculous he's also apparently been the most blitzed quarterback in the NFL this season and he has five touchdowns to no interceptions so he's performing well in key areas and that's obviously great to see and it's crazy because he's now the odds-on favorite to actually win NFL MVP this season based on the latest odds released by Bovada. I know Aaron Rodgers going down obviously helped that, but still, I mean, it's it's crazy to think he's at this point in year two of his career. Now, Johnny, I know that they, uh, I don't know if they got all 22, but you've got to watch the game back. So what did you really like that you saw from Wentz? I guess from how he adjusted from early on in the game and just really kind of settled in and got comfortable. And he adjusted to that pressure and maneuvered within the pocket. Yeah, let's just not mention the All-22. We're literally getting it on the same day, even if it's a Thursday night game. So I actually have watched it this week. Um, I managed to go through it this morning. But yeah, I, I mean, like BLG said, the fact that Wentz is favorite for MVP is just, it's, it's crazy. But you can see why, because the Eagles have got a really good record and he's playing unbelievably well. There was there was free throws, I think, on third down. Again, there was the first drive um, to Neil Snagglehall. It was only a short throw, but it was a slant where they read zone coverage, and it was just a really, really good throw. And I think there was a third down throw to Alshon Jeffrey on a deep in or something that was really good. But the one that everyone talks about, that throw to Matt Collins, was so, so good. And I think I saw um, actually Fran Duffy break it down at the beginning of the week, the way that um, you could see that the Pampers blitzed. And they'll snag a whole turn around straight away to catch their little pop route for a couple of yards or whatever. And Wentz was just like, no, not having that. Avoided the pressure, managed to get find the lane and delivered an unbelievably good throw. And that throw just sort of sums up why I like quarterbacks like Carson Wentz so much more than your sort of check down quarterbacks like, well, your kind of Bradfords and quarterbacks like that. So, yeah, it was another step in the right direction. I think, I mean, I obviously wasn't at the game, but watching it live and what people said about it, I think you both were, weren't you, that the atmosphere was like a type of playoff game. And I think that was a really big game. You got the feeling that the Eagles knew how big that game was. And they unbelievably had a bad game in terms of the refs. I mean, we're not going to talk about it much here, but as we all know, that was just a terribly officiated game. So for Wentz to perform like that on the road in that type of playoff atmosphere, I think we've always said he's the kind of player that rises to the occasion. And I think we saw once again that I'd have faith of him if the Eagles do go further on this season, um, performing well down the stretch. Yeah, you mentioned that atmosphere, and it really was big. And, and Tory Smith actually said this, I think, on WIP yesterday or the day before, where it just seems like everywhere they're at, it's like a home game. And that's what it seemed like again on Thursday night. Like I was up there... Um, and uh, there, there were just Eagles chants breaking out after uh, every big play and every touchdown. Like I've never been to a game at the link, but that's it's kind of what I would imagine it like on a smaller basis. But the Eagles fans have traveled really well, and I think that's the teams noticed that. You can tell by Torrey Smith's comments and the comments that they made whenever they traveled out to Los Angeles. So it's it's really a big boost for them. But yeah, just Carson, like what he's doing in the pocket, and so he's adjusting to the pressure. And here's one of the criticisms that people were talking about last year was his feet would get stuck in the mud or he would just break the pocket with uh just by taking off but he's doing so much better of manipulating the pocket with his feet and just sliding into different positions and, and that Matt Collins throw that was one where he's uh, I think it was Captain Munerlin coming off the edge on the corner blitz so he steps up and he avoids it resets his feet and fires the Hollins and they get that that big first down and then that propelled him to another scoring drive and it's just the really to see the progress of him. It, it's it, we didn't expect to see. You know, we talked about this with Sean Cottrell earlier in the off season that mechanics are they're going to take a little while to kind of get down. But 
just so far he's um, he, it's just night and day with what he's been able to do especially under pressure so to see him do this in this game that that was encouraging because you're going to face teams more like that and the Panthers have a really good front seven like they're probably one of the top three front sevens in the NFC uh, you know I put the Eagles up there the Vikings and the Panthers as well they might not have an edge rush but those guys at the middle that they have Starla Tule and uh, Kaylon Short as well as the linebackers that's a that's a really good, really talented unit. So for them to perform the way they did, and Wentz was able to manipulate them. This is one thing that we've seen going back to the San Diego game consistently is he's he's manipulating the trajectory of his balls. We talked about that Zach Ertz, uh, that second touchdown to Ertz where you know, Thomas Davis dropped into the zone. So he has to put it over Davis. He puts it up for Zach Ertz, and that's a touchdown. So he's just making all the right reads, and, and his how he maneuvered his feet and his body and just got his hips and shoulders back in position whenever he looked off the safety to the left on that play. We're seeing advanced movements from Wentz early on. And, uh, Johnny, I want to throw this back to you. Do you have, I guess, any more comments on the mechanics that and the an improvement that we've seen there? Yeah, his release is undoubtedly better. It's not, I think, actually, I think we can safely say now that he's sort of grown into it. It's not like a one-off now. All season long, his um, release has been so much tighter. The ball was dropping nowhere near as low. And I know I mentioned it um, with, in the off season. I had that great slow-mo video that Twitter seemed to really enjoy for some reason. But there you go. Um, yeah, I think it's safe to say now that I think he still he's he floated a few balls against the Panthers, but there wasn't a huge amount. I think his release is just a lot, lot tighter. I think his feet especially have taken a really big jump. And this is one reason why I was always so high on Wentz was because you, we don't know every, we can't see everything. We can see the games, but we can't see what goes on behind the scenes. And everyone pre-draft and during last year just raved about how um, good of a kid Wentz was and how hard he'd work. And the fact he's been able to change his footwork and his mechanics and his release so drastically in one off season is pretty incredible, really. And you just can't, you can't help but think he could be really, really good. I mean, like seriously good in a few years if he keeps improving the way he has this off season. Yeah, I think there's something be said about coachability there but blg i want to bring you in because you were actually at the training camp and you covered it did you see like a i guess a consistent effort from carson to to keep those things tight knit and what was the coaching staff doing with it were they kind of keying in on those things and making sure that he i guess he kept them on the right track and that he wasn't like uh i guess getting off the rails as far as mechanics go yeah so i think it's interesting because when i go back to otas and the eagles spring practices once wasn't looking the best. He didn't have uh, the most sharp practices. I remember red zone drills, especially. He was going like there was a, a day or two where he went like two for seven or or like three for ten, something like that. And it was just kind of it wasn't enough to make you super concerned because it's OTAs and there's just so much time left before the season starts. But it kind kind of did catch your attention, like make you wonder a little bit: Is this going to be an issue? What's the deal here? I think that's just a time of year where they're really working on things still and, and kind of testing things out and, and going through different uh, just ways of practicing and those kind of things because you looked at where he was in training camp and it was just so much better. It was night and day. He had a really good training camp. It was funny because I think he struggled for like a week after the Eagles traded Jordan Matthews, which of course was kind of like, it didn't get too crazy, but you know, I could see people running with that. Oh, they traded Jordan Matthews. You know, Carson Wentz is, uh, he's broken now, but no, that didn't happen. Uh, he looked really good in camp. You saw the, the coaching staff, obviously, you know, John DiFilippo, Eagles quarterback coach is constantly working with him 
uh, all throughout the practice, even when you know he's maybe not in a drill, but he's on the sideline or or they're off to the to the separate field when there's a special teams drill. I mean, they're always working at that. And you know, we've seen it with Carson Wentz where there's a lot of improvement. You still see those throws that sail a little bit, as Johnny alluded to there, kind of frustrating at times. Um, and you know, the, there's areas of his game where. Uh, reading the field has to improve a little bit because that third down at the end of the game where he just did not see Nelson Aguilar wide open. I mean, that's the game right there. And boy, like if he missed that and somehow the Panthers come back, I mean, oh my gosh, you know how we'd be talking about that. So uh, that's the thing with Carson Wentz. I think for as good as he's played and he's in the MVP discussion, that's all great. But it's important to remember he's in year two. He's not a finished product by any means. But to where he is right now, it's just so encouraging. Yeah, I actually think it's interesting that you bring up that third down because I thought the same thing. I was like, you know, obviously it's kind of a result thing where Eagles won, so we're not going to talk as much about it. But, you know, you kind of like to see him hit that. Now, somebody brought to my attention actually on the uh, once report that I did. They commented that, he didn't. He didn't get out of the huddle in time, or something like that. So I went back and watched that, and they they may have had a point. I don't know what the average time that they usually break the huddle is, but I think there was like twelve seconds left on the clock. But even then, still, you could see that Wentz never really looked over there. I guess to see Aguilar. But one thing that I noticed really in the San Diego game is that even in his cadence, he was doing a really good job of scanning the defense pre-snap and making those adjustments. That's that's really what has allowed him, I guess, to go with those RPOs and different things like that. But, I mean, even if he didn't look over to his right and see Aguilar, like, you know, there was still Alshon Jeffrey who had enough separation on that slant. If, if he just catches the ball, he likely gets that first down and ends the game there. So, again, little things here and there, but overall, it's hard to knock uh, I guess a performance when you're looking at the consistency, like again for like the high selling balls. There may have been a couple in this game. There were some attributes to uh, to each of them, like uh, the three level stretch play where he just overshot Aguilar. There was one that was where uh, Keekley actually got in his face, so he had to put the ball high, and unfortunately it just ended up being too high there. There there was really nothing else he could do there. But that's one thing that we haven't seen a ton of. Like there might be one or two a game, if that, but they're not really in positions over the middle of the field or anything like that where they could be led to turnovers. But that's really all that I have for Carson Wentz. Again, BLG, you mentioned that his MVP odds are up and that's something that's probably gonna keep soaring through the roof considering, you know, what they play up until like week ten because they defensively they have an easier schedule. They'll get the Redskins at home this week. Then they'll get San Francisco. Those are good stat padding. Those are teams that you can pad your stats against if you need to. Denver's going to be tough, and then they get the Cowboys twice still. And the Cowboys' defense isn't is going to do Wentz favors when it comes to that statistical performance is what I assume. But I want to move on to the rest of the offense. I thought the offensive line outside of Big V looked really good. You know, they finally nipped that Steven Wisniewski and uh, and Chance Warmack rotation. And it looks like Wiz finally has a, a hand on that job. So that's encouraging looking at going forward. Now, the rest of the receivers, I thought uh, Nelson Aguilar just looks worlds better. And we'll talk about that in just a second with you, BLG, because you saw him in training camp and noticed how he had looked better. And then, uh, you know, Alshon, he's starting to make plays. But again, it can't be undersold what his impact on this offense is because he's also drawing attention away from other players to make plays. You know, we look at Torrey Smith and some of the deep balls that Wentz has missed to him. It's because sometimes they're keying in on Alshon and gives him the opportunity. 
I thought Wentz's deep ball was looking better with the receivers, and he's he's more in tune with those guys. So you could definitely see the chemistry going. Um, I thought they could have ran Blunt a little bit more, especially there towards the end. There were a couple times that uh, they got into these these third down situations where they had just passed on the first two downs instead of running, especially when you want them to eat clock. But ultimately, just looking at the offense from the a full standpoint. I thought that they they actually performed really well. Kenyon Barner, uh, he, he probably shouldn't see too many snaps. I didn't think his pass protection was really good. There were times where he, he was giving up pressure of the win. So th that's something that they'll have to monitor going forward. I know the possibility of bringing up Byron Marshall was mentioned or called for. I think John Barchard actually called for that. But I, I kind of want to talk about Nelson Aguilar and what he's done. Really, BLG, can you, can you kind of comment on the uh, the progression of Nelson? Because I know you got to watch him again a lot in this offseason. You noticed how he just looked like a different player. Yeah, I was out, more out than anyone, maybe, on Nelson Aguilar uh, heading into this year. I just thought the Eagles should try to trade him for nothing because uh, you could save a tiny bit of cap space as opposed to if you had to cut him, you would lose cap space. So I was definitely way out on Nelson Aguilar, and I was also way wrong about that because he's come into this season pretty much a changed man overall, not just not just a player, but the guy he is. Well, um, just in terms of uh, like he his number is different. I always point this out. His hair is different, and those things sound like silly little changes, but it it kind of just goes into the idea that he's had this complete image change. He's gone from this literally one of the worst wide receivers in the league was really, I don't think that's an exaggeration either. I think he was that bad and going from that level of struggling to a player who was actually pretty useful, pretty effective in the slot uh, ranking second on the Eagles and receiving and tied for first and touchdowns with uh, four there. So I think Nelson Aguilar's progress has been incredible. Uh, I, I wrote about it in uh, on bleedinggreennation.com this week, where I think a big reason why he's succeeding is because Jordan Matthews is gone. Now, Aguilar looked good in camp, so I'm not saying that's the only reason uh, why he's successful, but I, I think just that opportunity, having that these middle-of-the-field targets now and putting him into the slot as opposed to the outside, I think that's something you guys have said. I know Johnny has said that before, where I think he's more suited for that kind of role, and we're seeing that. And not only Aguilar, but Ertz, too. I think just getting rid of J-Mac kind of opened up the middle of the field for both of those guys to be more efficient and more effective with those targets. So it's been a, an underrated reason to me why this Eagles offense has been improved this year, and it's more efficient and explosive overall is the contributions you're getting from Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do agree with that. And uh, Johnny, I kind of want to look at, you know, turn to you for your overall picture and, I guess, assessment of the offense, and you can kind of – you know, expand on those Aguilar comments too, if you'd like. I really need to go back and get Tony Romo's comments because I was saying to Tyler, he made the exact same comment that I made last week on the podcast. I can't remember exactly what Romo said. I think he said something like they talk about um, momentum or something, but I think it's as simple as putting him in the slot. And it sounds far too simplistic, but if you go back and watch how Aguilar played in college, he played as a slot receiver half the time. Like there were legit draft gurus like Mike Mayock and stuff who said this guy is a slot receiver. And I genuinely do not think if he was playing the X receiver right now, he'd, he'd be any better. I, I really don't. I really think if you put him outside and line him up against number one cornerbacks, he's going to get pressed up the line of scrimmage and he's not going to get off it. So playing him in the slot, it's like a completely different player. It's a completely different role. And I mean, he obviously had a very good game, but even the way he's used, I mean, I spoke last week about the, how the Panthers like to stay in their base defense against three wide receivers. 
And on his touchdown, um, Aguilar's touchdown, I mean, it was a very good route, but he was being covered by Shaq Thompson, who is a good coverage linebacker, but he is a linebacker. And that's just, that's part scheme, part player. And I'm not downplaying what he's done this year because he has been very, very good. But that is a lot more to me about scheme anyway than how he suddenly progressed. I think clearly confidence has come since he started playing in the slot and that's made a huge difference. But I'd imagine if, say, for example, Alshon was to miss a week, I can't imagine they'd ever consider putting Agarhol back out at the X receiver. I imagine they just promote Matt Collins because that should be his position. He's a slot receiver and there's nothing wrong with that. You probably wouldn't take a slot receiver in the first round if you could go back. But he fits the offense a lot better than Jordan Matthews does, as most of us said 100 times last year. And it can't be... um, I mean, it can't be said enough how good Zach Ertz is playing as well. I mean, the way he gets out, he beats cornerbacks for fun. Like, he legit runs past cornerbacks. I think we had, I had a chat with someone on Twitter the other day about tight ends you take over Ertz. If they were fully healthy, maybe Travis Kelsey, Jordan Reed, and Gronk. I mean, and to be honest, considering health, you'd probably have to seriously consider taking Ertz over Gronk and Reed at this point. It's he's just he beats people with ease with route running. And I think Trey Burton made a couple of catches as well this week. I think he's still a nice player. He's not getting targets because basically there's too many mouths to feed. Um, yeah, Alshon, we'll see. I still am waiting for that explosion game. I think it could be this week if they take away Breland. But then I also think the stats may not be like we expected it to be beforehand because they've got so many players that are playing well. So the wide receivers are making a massive, massive difference to the offense. And um, Tyler, you said they could have run Blunt more as well. I I agree with that. He's just playing really, really well. I mean, I'm stunned. I got him completely wrong. I didn't. I wasn't even sure he'd make the team when I saw that first preseason game. But people just bounce off him like he's an absolute beast, which is pretty cool. I think, especially down the stretch. I'm hoping the Eagles plan to keep him fresh um, with Smallwood coming back. I know we want to see him carry the ball more, but a healthy Blunt in January will be really, really good. So I'd like to see a little bit more of Clement and Smallwood mixed in when he's back and then hopefully bounce really fresh because realistically the Eagles should be thinking long-term about playoffs now. I know it still seems very far away, but if they can get Blunt carries down a little bit, although it might not be great in the short term, if they can still win games, then that's the best thing to do, really. Yeah, I think that's interesting, that uh, point about keeping Blunt fresh because there are a couple runs where he went out of bounds and you know I know some people are like you know fight for those extra yards but I'm, for me I'm like no keep him fresh like that's a battering ram like that he is a legitimate weapon on this offense I made this point this week I think he has uh three less rushing yards than um than Ezekiel Elliott on 35 on 30 33 or 35 less carries so that's uh, he's making an impact, and we're seeing him wear uh, wear down defenses late in games, like that Chargers game. Like he pretty much finished it off that sixty eight yard run. Somebody actually made this point to where you know it's it's hard to tackle a guy like that. You know, players are getting tired later in the game; they're going to try and arm tackle him, and you're not going to bring that down a guy that big. And another thing for Blount, it looks like he's really buying into this team, and I I think that's really important for a player like that. You know, he's been to uh, Super Bowls, he's won Super Bowls. He's been to other areas, like they talked about Pittsburgh, you know, had some of the troubles they have there, and some of those were, I guess, off the field related, as you could say. But he's just really bought in here. He just kind of fits the culture. And this whole team, the chemistry on offense, they just seem to really gel together. Like you can see that there's something special, and it's brought together in each unique player. Like you can look on Twitter, like they're all. Uh, they all communicate. They, they all like. I've seen Tory Smith and Alshon Jeffrey retweet some of Garrett Blunt's highlights and different things like that. So they're just buying into what this coaching staff is doing and what this team is doing. And to me, that's gonna it's gonna lead to a lot of success. BLG, do you have any last comments on the offense before we move on to the defense? 
Yeah, Blunt has been a, a very good, uh, pleasant surprise here. I mean, the guy is averaging 4.9 yards after contact, according to Pro Football Focus, which is insane because they also point out that only eight running backs are currently averaging 4.9 yards total. Like, you know, not not applying the after contact part uh, alone, just both both of those things. So that's really crazy. He also ranks number one in their signature stat called uh, elusive rating, uh, however that works, which is apparently a runner's success beyond the point of being helped by his blockers. So, yeah, we've seen him been able to uh, get into – get past the line of scrimmage, and then from that point create yards on his own, which is great to see. And it's just – it is really surprising how he's been able to do that. Just – Johnny mentioned it. You saw him in the preseason. I guess, you know, maybe not, shouldn't be reading into that too much since it's only preseason. But he just didn't look like uh, that effective or that kind of player at all. So for him to be the guy he is right now, it's huge. It's it's especially huge with Darren Sproles having gone down for with an injury and Wendell Smallwood missing some time here, uh, Johnny's favorite running back. So it's been a, a, a big a big underrated signing for the Eagles, for sure. Tyler, I thought I had one stat I wanted to, Tyler, I I had one stat I wanted to say, because I, I, I don't know if you've ever seen NFL Savant, the um, statistics website. I quite often look at it. And I remember looking last year how frequently the Eagles ran outside. So basically last year, the Eagles ran basically straight down the middle. So inside zone, blah, 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 106 attempts. And they averaged 3.88 yards. And that was 25% of their runs were down the middle. They had the same percentage to outside runs on the left. And a lot of them were sweeps with sprawls. And I'm not really sure you can run a consistent running game where you're running outside that much compared to this. So it was 25% last year. It's now 37% down the gut this year. And they're not averaging 3.88. They're averaging 4.77. So this year, 37% compared to 25%, and they're averaging basically a whole extra yard running down the middle. And I think some of that's Kelsey playing a lot better. Some of that's probably Wisniewski coming in. But mainly, I think that's just that Blunt is just incredibly good inside. So I thought that was quite an interesting stat. Yeah, absolutely. That offensive line, they're, um, they're arguably four players, and that's excluding the left guard position, that are going to merit all pro talk is we haven't really talked about Brandon Brooks and how good he's been all year long. But I mean, obviously Lane Johnson, that right tackle is sort of a weak position in the NFL, but he's still really good despite that. And then Jason Peters is just playing, I want to say the best ball of his career, but you know, he's playing the best ball of his career every year. He's just that good. It's, it's ridiculous. But uh, I want to go ahead and move on to the defense because they, they honestly, they might have played one of their best games of the season they, I think Cam Newton, I, I didn't chart his interceptable passes, and it, this is really, this kind of helps my case for why interceptable throws are, are kind of dumb without context, which, you know, that's uh, that's one of Key and Fahey's, and that's exactly, uh, I'm actually going to kind of go off on this tangent for a second and explain the once report. The reason that I charted interceptable throws is because of the exchange that um, you and Sean had with uh, him and Charles and Arif this offseason about you know how he shows his work and all these different things like that. My thing with interceptable throws is yeah, it's it's pretty cool that you can chart those. But here's the thing, you know, you can I can make Wentz look like a superstar if I show a couple clips. I can also make him look uh, really bad if I show a couple clips. So if I can show all these different things and these interceptable throws as well and provide context, you know, what what time of the game it is and maybe the receiver ran the wrong route like for example last week when they played the cardinals where the play before went actually through an interception with patrick peterson you know almost coming away with the ball there 
it looked like there was a bit of miscommunication, like Torrey Smith was supposed to break on a comeback route. You're not going to get that context in, in different things. People are just going to put that down as an interceptable throw. So that's why I think it's so key to provide context for these sort of things. But, uh, you know, you look at Cam Newton. Like I said, Carson Palmer had four interceptable throws when the Eagles played him. Cam Newton probably had five, six, maybe seven in this game. But people aren't talking about that. They just want to talk about how Wentz is a, is a turnover-prone quarterback and, and different things like that because it fits their narratives. So it's it's just kind of like a confirmation bias and those sorts of things, but that's uh, that's kind of my uh, my thing with uh, with all that. But I just want to move back on to the defense real quick. They uh, they played outstanding. They they forced a lot of turnovers and they really Cam Newton wasn't sharp at all. And a lot of that because comes because of the front four and the pressure that they were able to provide. You know, Tim Jernigan, Fletcher Cox was a huge boost for this team. They were able to get up front and just get pressure in Cam's face and. Honestly, it would have been a lot worse if they were playing any other quarterback outside of Cam Newton because Cam can just make up for uh, for different throws with because uh, he can be leaning back in the pocket and throw a dart 17 yards downfield outside the numbers and, and hit a receiver. And, and he did that a couple times with pressure in his face. But the Eagles' defense was able to get pressure, force turnovers, and obviously some of those throws weren't on Newton. And, but some of them were, and that's just a, a testament to how good this defense can be because Cam Newton's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. So on these short weeks, typically what you want to do is you're going to take the team with the better quarterback to win. So what does that say about the Eagles, and maybe what does it say about their defense that they were able to actually do these things? Um, Johnny, I want to start off with you on this one. Yeah, I thought Cam played okay, actually. I know he got a lot of criticism towards the end, but they were throwing the ball an absolute ton, and we've seen what having no run game whatsoever can do to a quarterback and I think he struggled to have the whole weight of his shoulder the whole weight of the offense on his shoulders the Eagles I thought the Eagles front four were, were really really good this game Um, it sounds obvious because they're very good every week but uh, I thought Derek Barnett was possibly his best game I thought he got pressure quite a few times Vinnie Curry especially against a run um, he's playing really well Chris Long Brandon Graham as you expect Fletcher Cox um, just completely ate up there on right guard was it Turner just some of those pass rushes were absolutely awesome and to be honest I still don't feel like we haven't seen the best of Jernigan I keep thinking like we're going to come away one week and it's going to be Jernigan's week so I think when that happens and if he even hits another gear and don't get me wrong Jernigan's been very very good but I can't help but feel like there's a little bit more to come from him I'm still I still think Barnett's going to grow as the season progresses so I thought the front four were awesome and then the front seven as a whole I mean Michael Kendricks has been so good this year which is very good for my brand because I've always been a Kendricks fan just because I like fun players and grow when Kendricks gets beat at the backfield by a running back, it does get quite frustrating. But if you use him in a way that he can um, succeed, I think he's a very, very good player. And Nigel Bradham was phenomenal. I mean, I wasn't actually that sure. I know a lot of people really liked Bradham last year, and I did like him, but I didn't see him as a star. But I think he's had games this year where he's been a legit star. So, I mean, when you think of what the defence could be when they get some cornerbacks back and everything, it is, it's pretty exciting because Jenkins is still playing lights out despite his age. So, yeah, I thought the defense was really, really good. Front front seven especially was were awesome. Yeah, absolutely. My uh, my only beef would have been, you know, maybe be a little bit more disciplined on those camp runs because he, the Panthers just couldn't run the ball with anybody outside of Cam. So I would I would have a guy stay home, you know, just to make sure because if, if yeah, I, I would trust the rest of my defense to stop Jonathan Seward or Christian McCaffrey just based on the flow of how that game was going. And it would have been even nastier if 
really, if they had stayed home on cam a couple times. But, BLG, I kind of want to shift to you now. And what were your thoughts on the defense? And I guess as a cumulative on their efforts on the year. Yeah, I think the defense in the Panthers game especially played a lot better than the final score indicated. I mean, you look at that Rodney McLeod interception that was taken away because of a really tacky pass interference call on Jalen Mills. And then there was another one earlier in the game where maybe that one was more legit. But still, it felt like the defense played pretty well. And then even that, uh, the Derek Barnett getting flagged for hitting Cam Newton late, even though there was no whistle because the refs didn't blow the whistle somehow, even though it was a delay game. So, I mean, I don't want to make it all about the officiating, but I, I really do think those penalties made the defense look worse than they performed. And they, and they did perform at a high level. You look at this defense, they're so good at stopping the run. The Panthers had 13 runs for one yard, which is crazy. And uh, obviously Cam Newton had a bigger day on the ground. But when it came to shutting down the Panthers running backs, the Eagles did such a good job. Getting Fletcher Cox back was huge for that game. Uh, He forced the interception, obviously, to Rizzle Douglas, and he was just getting pressure all game long, also being a force against the run, as was Tim Jernigan. So... This defense is, you know, they they have a formula. They want to stop the run, which they're able to do, and that makes the other team's offense one-dimensional. And at that point, the Eagles can set up like they want to where they have these pass rushers who can get after it in the wide nine and kind of just tee off and go after the quarterback because they don't have to respect the threat of the run as much. So it's it's been impressive what they've been able to do, especially with – you have Jalen Mills and Rizzo Douglas out there who I think, you know, they, they compete well. You certainly get good effort out of them every game. That's never an issue. But, you know, they're not the most overall talented players, and Douglas has done some great things, but he's also a rookie, and there's some rookie mistakes in there as well. So it's big that the Eagles might be getting Ronald Darby back. I don't know if he'll play this week against Washington. Uh, I still think uh, he might be back in week eight instead against the 49ers or or maybe even against the Broncos. We'll see how that goes. But overall, this defense is playing well. The linebackers, again, Nigel Bradham, just a monster game against the Panthers. I mean, how many times did he come up with a big solo tackle on a third down to prevent either a touchdown, like he did Christian McCaffrey one-on-one, he tackled him, or or uh, Dixon short of the sticks in the middle of the field there. And then <laughs> like pretty much having his shoulder explode and somehow being able to return back to the game. So I definitely have to give a lot of credit to the the way these guys are playing right now. It's been impressive. And, you know, if they get Darby back and things start to click, it's scary because you think, you know, they're playing at a, a decent level right now, but they could really be even better if everything gets together here. Absolutely. And I I agree with all that. And it's an interesting point that you had about that whistle on that, you know, uh, I guess unnecessary roughness on, Derek Barnett because in the stadium like I was wondering what was going on because we didn't hear a whistle so I had assumed that maybe the Eagles had jumped off sides and you know I'm looking down at the field so I don't see the play clock and then it kind of turns out afterwards that oh there uh, the play clock dwindled down and even like you said going I know you said this on the, uh, the WIP show that you guys did on Saturday that you've listened a hundred times and you couldn't hear a whistle I, I think I heard a couple times maybe a whistle but again you know I, it could be anything in the crowd because it was getting really loud, obviously, because it was, it was on third down there. And like I said, there were a lot of Eagles fans there as well. So that there was a lot of noise going on in there. But, you know, again, that's obviously Barnett shouldn't have uh, plowed through him. But at the same time, it, it just wasn't handled very well from the, uh, from the official standpoint. 
But, yeah, just the defense has been really good. Now, I want to pose a question to both of you guys because whenever I had Ben on the uh, the podcast a couple weeks ago, we talked about po- the possibility of, you know, if Darby comes back healthy, who would you like as uh, the opposite cornerback, Rosal Douglas or Jalen Mills? Now, I, I would prefer Rosal Douglas. I just like what he's done. I think that they'll definitely go with Jalen Mills because despite his shortcomings, they like him a lot. They they like his competitiveness, and it seems like you said he's showing some leadership out there. And He's just a really tough player that gives all of his effort, but I just think from an intangible, intangible standpoint and everything that they can do, I, I like Rosal Douglas better just as a cornerback, especially opposite of Darby, but... You know, Johnny, we talked about this with the uh, after the Cardinals game, how it looks like they're using Douglas more as a, a matchup cornerback when, when they go into some of their different packages like Big Nickel and Dime and different things like that. They won't match him up against speedier receivers. I'm going to start with you, Johnny. Yeah, I'm still not really sure if he's a matchup cornerback, but there was definitely in that Cardinals game, they didn't want him on the field um, against the Cardinals speedy receivers, which I think just shows that they still have concerns about his deep speed. I'm biased because, you know, I, I just like Mills more. So I was, for the point of the exercise for this year, I'll say Mills because I still think it's a little bit unfair to compare them because Mills has covered number one receivers this season. I mean, I always go back to that Giants game. I know Odell Beckham did completely destroy Mills, but Mills still had like, an, oh, considering he was cu- covering Beckham one-on-one, I thought it was an okay game. And I still think if you swap them around and put Douglas on Beckham one-on-one, he would absolutely kill him. So I would go Mills. And I keep seeing people talking about moving Mills to the slot. And still, number one, we've n- barely never seen him there. So I don't get how people just assume he's going to be good. And also Patrick Robinson is playing really, really well in the slot. So that makes zero sense to me. So I'd like to see Darby and Mills start, for unless Mills just performs that badly. But I definitely wouldn't play him 100% of the snaps. I would obviously get Douglas uh, rotating in there as well. Yeah, and, and you've seen... Uh... Yeah, and, and you've seen uh, how this Eagles coaching staff really likes Jalen Mills. You've seen Malcolm Jenkins talk highly about him before the season even started. I mean, he was the week one starter. Well, Rizal Douglas was inactive. He was a healthy scratch. So I do think in terms of what is going to happen, it's going to be Darby and Mills again. I'd be pretty sure. I mean, maybe you try to get Douglas some more playing time in a rotational role. Maybe like in that Cardinals game, how uh, you try to get him matched up in certain situations. Uh, you saw it last year when the Eagles were playing everyone's favorite cornerback, Leotis McKelvin. Uh, they were actually rotating him and Mills a good amount. So I think we could see, see some kind of rotation maybe with Douglas and Mills there or maybe even Darby just a little bit early on just working Darby back into the defense while he's getting his conditioning back. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I, I do agree with you, Johnny. I don't, I don't think the Mills in the slot thing is really much of a thing at all. The Eagles kind of messed around with that in OTAs, but it really didn't last at all, maybe like a week or so where they tried that out, and I don't think that's the move there. I think when you look at this team and their cornerback situation, and speaking of a corner we haven't talked about, uh, Sidney Jones, it sounds like he's still kind of far away. Les Bowen reported that you know he might not be ready till December or so. So you look at this cornerback situation, and it's, it's such a good problem to have, to be able to debate about which corner should play if they're playing well or at least better than expected. So uh, I think the thing with Mills, though, to get off on a little bit of a tangent here in the future is not right now because the Eagles obviously have Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod and even Corey Graham as a backup. I think the move might eventually be to put him back there at safety 
which is obviously what he played in college at LSU. So I think that's kind of something to think about in the future. Yeah, that's um, I, I know you had actually brought that up before. And I think it's an interesting point, and I, I agree with you. They're not going to take Mills off the field. I would like to see Douglas over Mills. But, you know, here's the thing. If, if they take Douglas off the field, where are they, they want to play Mills. That's just their thing. They want to put him on the field. Where are they going to put him in the slot? You know, that's not going to happen because Patrick Robinson's been locked down in the slot. He's been... It really, he's played at an all-pro level, and he's playing starter snaps in the slot because I've charted that the Eagles, over the last two weeks, I haven't charted it as much, but over the first four games or so, the Eagles were predominantly a nickel team. Like They were going nickel like sixty over 60% of the time, so Patrick Robinson, in that sense, was a starter over Michael Kendricks. Michael Kendricks is more of a, uh, we'll go into, like 4-3 was more of a sub-package than anything. So he's playing starter reps, and he's he's doing really well now. Of course, we'll say this, and he'll give up 100 yards and two touchdowns to Cole Beasley whenever they play because that just seems to be the move whenever the Cowboys and Eagles play. But, uh, yeah, just it, it's going to be hard for him to take Jalen Mills off the field just because they like him so much. Uh, I just My personal preference, I would put Rosal Douglas out there because I think he's going to match up better with some of the bigger receivers that they'll end up playing like when they get into the, the Des Bryants and – They'll, uh, they'll face Michael Crabtree later in the year, and they'll face Demarius Thomas as well. Now, Thomas has a little bit more speed, but that's a, that's a guy, like, I think that, you know, he's 6'3". I think it's some of those receivers that you want to match Douglas up with if you get that opportunity. But moving on to the, from the defense, we're going to talk about this Redskins game a little bit. The Eagles have already played them once. They beat them at Washington by 13 points. Final score of that game was 30-17. to And uh, the pass rush, they... They just teed off on Kirk Cousins. They were able to get pressure. They were able to get into his face, forced a couple errant throws, and I think they had four turnovers in that game. Is that correct, BLG? What game is this now? Uh, that week one Redskins game. Um, and that was Washington. Yeah, because they what did they have? They had the uh, the final turnover. Obviously, I think Cox had stripped him earlier in the game where Hicks. Got it, and then Cousins threw. Did he throw two interceptions, or did he, he threw the one to Mills in the red zone? And I think there was a uh, muff punt or something like that. Or yeah, a, yeah. Uh, Crowder did a really bad job of like jumping while he was trying to catch the ball. So yeah, that was a total of four. You're right. I, I'm glad the Eagles don't have to play in FedEx again this year because uh, BLG. I know you've been to a couple different stadiums, but uh, I've been to three or four, and FedEx is by far the worst design stadium I've been to. Yeah, I've never been there myself, but just from talking to the other beat writers and just seeing pictures from Twitter, I mean, like, the angle they're watching at in the press box is insane. First of all, you, it's not a clear view because the, the stands from above the press box are kind of, like, draping down into the view of the field, and it's at a weird angle. It's not like when you're at the Eagles press box, you're viewing it from the sideline. Uh, it's at the corner of the end zone in the sideline, but you're still viewing it from the sideline, so it's a, a normal kind of perspective. But from the Redskins' view and the press box there, from what I've seen, it's it's just a really bad view of the field and everything about that franchise. You know, kind of it sums up right there. It's just not a not the best owner and not the best team by any means. So uh, better on the field, I will say, than what's going on off the field there. But yeah, it's kind of a just kind of feels appropriate for the team. You just wait until the legacy that Scott McLuhan has built there just kind of tumbles down and all of his draft moves, I guess, move out of town with Kirk Cousins. But, you know, looking at this game, the Eagles come in, they're 5-1, they're and one, looking to the 6-1. to one. 
to me, this, uh, I know a lot of people are thinking this is close, but to me, it kind of has like another Monday Night Massacre feel to it. Like the Eagles are just rolling. They're coming off of uh, a week and a half of preparation. The Outside of that Panthers game, the Eagles have just been spectacular in the first half of the game. Doug Peter, and that's, that's a testament to what Doug Peterson has done because it's, you know, you're coming out, you're game planning, and you're getting your guys, you're getting what you want, and it's working. So that's uh, it. Just has like a Monday Night Massacre feel to me. I just, I just feel like they're gonna come in. They're gonna stomp all over the Redskins. And you know, credit to Kirk Cousins and what he's been able to do this year. And you know, I, I think he's a product of the system. I know Johnny also thinks he's a product of that system, but it, it suits him well. And he's played really, really well in it. But just looking at that San Francisco game last week and you know how banged up Washington is. Like they're gonna lose Jonathan Allen, which is a defensive lineman that I liked a lot in the draft. And also, they're going to be without their corners, and Zach Ertz is probably going to be matched up on, uh, who's the safety there? It's not Everett, it's uh, Swearinger. It's probably going to be matched up on Swearinger. I, it's going to be a home game. I, I really do like what they're going to be able to do on this Monday night game. Uh, Johnny, I want to kick it to you and kind of get your thoughts on how the performance will be on Monday night. I mean, a Monday massacre will be great. It's, I can see why everyone thinks it's got that feeling, but I'm always of the opinion that division games can always be tighter than you think. Um, I would obviously expect the Eagles to win, but I, I'm not that optimistic that they'll absolutely blow them out just because I think the Redskins will score points. I know the Eagles' defense has been good this year, but the Redskins just always seem to score points. Redskins are a bit of a weird team this year because Crowder's not played very well at all, and as someone who plays DFS routinely every week Crowder was ridiculously cheap this week and I had him in loads of lineups because I used to really like Crowder and I haven't really watched Redskins films I don't know why but he's just not performing very well Pryor looks like he's about to make a big play every single week and then doesn't make it and obviously you've got to be a little bit careful of Josh Doxon because um he can flash really explosive talent I really really liked him coming out of the draft but he's still not really on it so they're barely generating any offense through their wide receivers it's a very weird offense that all their passing yards are going through Chris Thompson and their tight ends and Vernon Davis is still really good I don't know how Vernon Davis is still really good but if Jordan Reed is still healthy and I'm assuming he is because he played last week uh, Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis are a handful for any team and I think they will be able to generate offense I'm not as worried about Chris Thompson I like him as a player but I feel like his stats are unbelievably inflated this year he just seems to have like four catches for 100 yards or something every other week which is just seems really unsustainable so I'm not that worried about um, Thompson. I'm a little bit more worried about the outside receivers because I can't help but feel like Pryor and Doxon and Crowder are going to eventually get it together and this could be the week they do it. And I just think Vernon Davis and Jordan Reed are really, really good. But saying that, the, if the Eagles offensive line, can, uh, defensive line, sorry, can get pressure, then I think um, Cousins will struggle and you know that there's a really good chance that Cousins will make a really bad mistake at some point. But I do expect them to score. The good news is that I think the Eagles should have a lot of success. I noticed them on Twitter that um, our Redskins reporter said that Brashad Breeden was practicing today in one-on-one drills and he had to stop um, because he basically couldn't cover and the Redskins coaches were yelling stop at him because he wasn't moving very well. So I would assume that Breeden is not going to play. So no Norman and no Breeden. The, the Eagles should have a lot of success throwing the ball. So, yeah, I think hopefully it will be a strong performance, but I think I'm always a little bit wary of Redskins' offense just because, I don't know, there's something about the Redskins' offense. They always seem to score points. Yeah, I think that's a bit interesting because, you know, like you said about Thompson, some of those stats are inflated. Like, I think he had like a 75-yard uh, screen catch on a, on a third and 19 against the Oakland. Against Oakland, They just played it terribly. Like, it was just a terrible job. So it's things like that. 
that and he had that touchdown catch against the Eagles where, you know, I, I think that was a little bit on Bradham, but the Eagles didn't tackle him well at all there. So it's, it's another 25-yard touchdown catch. So you can see how these numbers easily get inflated. But overall, I think the Eagles have done a really good job covering running backs out of the backfield, especially in the past game. They just had the personnel to do that. Nigel Bradham did uh, really well on Christian McCaffrey when asked to do that. And Jordan Hicks, we, I don't think we need to talk about him and his ability to cover players but you know, they have the personnel to do that and, and they'll get pressure uh on cousins i know that that offensive lines are really good and i know that brandon sheriff sheriff has been good ever since the eagles played him but they just they really abused him when they played him in week one but and, and that and the tight ends I, I can't remember any tight end so far this year that's actually had like a, a really good game against the eagles and they've played some quality ones you know, I guess there was Travis Kelsey who had a really good game, but a lot of that is kind of the, the schematics of what they were able to do in the matchups that Andy Reid was able to get for him. Outside of that, they did a, a really good job on Evan Ingram. Yeah, I guess the Cardinals don't really use their tight ends a lot, but I just thought that you know Hunter Henry didn't do too much either. He had that one touchdown catch, but we're not seeing, uh, I guess, kind of the consistent explosive plays that you know a team like the Redskins would rely on from a guy like Jordan Reid. So that's um, that's a factor for me. But BLG, uh, what's your feeling on this Redskins game going into it? Yeah, I think it'll be a tough one. I mean, this is Washington's season almost right here. I mean, or at least if they want to have any chance at winning this division, they have to win this game. They cannot go down 0-2 to the Eagles in the in the season series here. So I think they're really going to bring it. Um, they've been a tough team for the Eagles to play, as we've known for years now, I know the Eagles won in week one, and I was feeling pretty confident about the Eagles heading into that game because I felt like they were due. But uh, it's, it's a different situation now, and I, I do think Washington is a pretty quality team overall. I mean, you look at DVOA, I think they're like sixth. They were actually second last week. Um, so they obviously have a lot of talent there. Uh, I, I do think them missing potentially both quarterbacks is a huge deal, and, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, but, you know, Quentin Dunbar and I guess even uh, Kendall Fuller haven't been the worst replacements in there. They've actually, I think, gotten some decent production out of those guys. So uh, they still have some talent there. Losing Jonathan Allen is big for them. Um, I know he had four tackles and a quarterback hit in the first game this season. Obviously a very talented player uh, as a first-round pick and uh, who many people thought could be one of the top two picks or, or at least one of the top five picks in this past draft class before he fell down because of the injury concerns. Uh, on offense, I do think uh, it's a situation where the Eagles are just going to have to get good production out of the offensive line again. You know, we see Ryan Kerrigan just be a problem for this team over and over, and, you know, him and Lane Johnson now having him in there instead of Big V obviously makes a big difference, so that'll be good for the Eagles, but uh, that's a definitely a key matchup to watch. Uh, going back to the Eagles' defense, they won in week one because their defensive line just dominated that Washington offensive line, which is very good, which makes it impressive. And Jay Gruden had even said today on Wednesday that uh, he did, he hadn't seen his offensive line get handled like that in a long time, and they haven't all season except for that game. So the Eagles really came out hot in that game. Brandon Graham was just absolutely killing Morgan Moses at right tackle there. Uh, it sounds like Trent Williams kind of a little banged up here. I'd imagine he'd play, but it sounds like he's kind of having some issues, so I'm kind of interested to see how uh, we see Vinnie Curry or Derek Barnett 
the guys lined up on that side of the, of the line perform. But uh, it's, it's going to take another big game from this pass rush. And uh, Malcolm Jenkins lining up over Jordan Reed, probably in the slot. We saw that a lot in week one, and he really did a good job of covering Reed. But one of the big concerns in week one out of that game was the the Redskins were taking shots down the field, and it's not like the guys were covered. I mean, Jalen Mills got beat. It was Cousins overthrowing the, the play, or there was some kind of miscommunication. Uh, I know Terrell Pryor had a couple drops in that game, which he's prone to, so it's not like just a total fluke. But uh, that's a concern. And it's it's going to take another big effort out of these defensive linemen. The good news is that Fletcher Cox is back after missing some time, so he'll be there. Tim Jernigan, he kind of had a limited snap count in that Panthers game. I think he left early a little bit there. With He's been dealing with a heel injury. Now that the Eagles have had some extra rest, seems like he'll be back uh, and, and good to go. So the Eagles have the guys to get it done. I, I just think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a tough game. I could see it go into overtime which would be absolutely brutal because it's already late enough to begin with. But uh, I think it'll be a tough game. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, it's a good point that you bring up that the, the Redskins are basically fighting for their playoff and, and their season at this point just because it, it doesn't get much easier. They've still got, uh, they still got Denver on the schedule, and they get the Eagles. And, and even though that Dallas is kind of down, Dallas is still a tough out at this point. And those, again, are division games, and they have New York twice. So they don't want to go 0-2 to start the year as far as the NFC East goes. I just, I just think that you know the maturation of Carson Wentz. I, I think part of, I think his struggles is part of what held them back in Week One. I think I had him down for like three or four interceptable throws and just some throws that just really weren't that good. And we've seen progress over the last couple of weeks where he's, uh, he's just really hitting on those deep balls. Like it just, they're falling in. And again, we're going to have to see that progress going forward. But I'd have to imagine that if they're if they're doing that, then they'll they'll be able to hit Torrey Smith deep and, and find things like that. And really, if it, if the Redskins don't feel comfortable, I'd imagine that they go more too high safety, which takes an extra man out of the box, which is going to open more room for Garrett Blunt to run the ball. And with Jonathan Allen out, I think that's going to be huge. That and um, one thing that was impacting Wentz's performance in Week One was the fact that they still had Isaac Sayamalu at left guard. Watching the film, there were still uh, a couple times when. Sayamalu was getting pushed back into Wentz's lap. I, th- I think may- it might have been on that Aguilar play where he actually had to kind of, uh, I guess, break the design of the play because Sayamalu was collapsing the pocket there. That And there was another one where um, he missed Aguilar deep, and it was partially because, again, Sayamalu was getting pushed back into his lap, and he didn't really have anywhere to step up into the pocket to throw without kind of walking himself hypothetically into a sack. So I think, again, that, that addition of Wisniewski is going to be big as far as what they want to do there. Or I guess not the addition, but the swap out. But really, that's all I have for the Redskins game. Uh, BLG, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up? Just a huge opportunity for the Eagles in this game. I mean, if they go 6-1 and one here and they, they put the Washington at 3-3, three and three, I mean, the division is basically wrapped up in Week 7, which is crazy. It would take some kind of crazy run from Washington afterwards or Dallas, we'll see how they do. But you look at the, the the schedules for those teams, and it's a lot tougher than the schedule that the Eagles have here. I mean, even if the Eagles lose this game to Washington, which certainly wouldn't be ideal, I mean, you're facing the 49ers at home. You're facing a Denver team that would probably be tough, but, I mean, they lost to the Giants, so it's not like they're this, this juggernaut of a unstoppable force, especially 
coming west to east there. So, and then the Eagles have a bye, and they go to play the Cowboys. So the Eagles have a, a favorable schedule here. And if you win this game, it's such a huge opportunity to, again, almost virtually seal the division. And at that point, you're not even thinking about the division. If the Eagles win this game, you're thinking about, okay, this team has the real chance to get to a one seed and lock up home field advantage in the playoffs. So a big, big opportunity for the Eagles this week. I think what we've seen out of them is very positive. I saw Carson Wentz today at practice had said, you know, don't settle for anything less than greatness during practice. And I think we've seen the the players in the locker room this week talking about how they're kind of treating Monday night's game like an NFC championship game. They know this is a huge game and there's a lot on the line. It's really not just another week. It's not just like the Cardinals game where you're facing a kind of a bad team. I mean, you're facing a team that's threatening your division lead and there's a lot on the line. Uh, the Eagles need to keep their hot start going. And again, I think it'll be tough, but I do expect a good effort from them, especially having that extra rest after playing on Thursday. So I can't wait till Monday night. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, we've waited long enough, but I mean, again, this is one of those situations where as a fan, you don't want to wait that long, but just based on where the Eagles are health-wise, they really needed this uh, this Thursday to Monday kind of break. Uh, but Johnny, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap things up? Yeah, sort of what BLG just said, it's such a good opportunity for the Eagles to really, really take control. So we haven't really mentioned much today, the, uh, the great head coach, Doug Peterson. I think I, I think Wentz has got a lot of credit for this run the defense has, but I think he deserves huge credit for how, not just the freedom that the players are playing, I think he is the generic players coach, but I think it's a bit... It's a bit it's a bit offensive to him really just to say he's like a motivator and everything. I um, I like the aggressiveness that's still there. I thought that was such a good call to go for the two points when there was um the penalty uh, for the extra point at the um against the Panthers for the what from the one yard line instead of the two. I'm glad that he uses analytics to decide third down and the root concepts and everything on third down this year have been superb. He's got uh, some really favourable matchups. Um, he's just doing a really really good job and I think he deserves a huge amount of credit. And yeah, the Eagles are a really good team, so I just hope it continues on Monday. I'm optimistic that they will continue to. I think they could just get better as a team as well as we've said. So I'm very optimistic for the rest of the season. And it is sort of crazy to start thinking about locking up the one seed, but that is something that really should be the aim for this team because especially with the Aaron Rodgers injury, the Eagles have a serious chance to get that number one seed, which is crazy. But here we are. Yeah, and and again, some of their toughest games that remain on the schedule or out of conference AFC you you have that uh that Broncos game that's out of conference so if they lose that there that's not going to hurt them too much and then Christmas Day I know the Raiders are struggling but it's, it's still probably gonna be a tough game if they lose that one it it's an AFC game again so you're looking at the rest of their schedule they they do have that trip out to Los Angeles and then Seattle so that's going to be tough and I know a lot of people are expecting them to lose uh, back-to-back games I I think that they win one of those games and, and I've been saying all year long I, I think it's a Seattle game we'll see how that comes to fruition but uh once again I want to thank you guys for tuning in you can follow me on Twitter I am at tjackrh Johnny is at Johnny page nine it's Johnny with two ends and Brandon you are at Brandon Galton, and you can find our work on uh, on BleedingGreenNation.com, publishing content on there daily, and sometimes it just seems like hourly. So, once again, an excellent job you're doing over there, and I want to thank you for joining us today. Once again, we'll be back next week with our uh, with our review of the Redskins game, and then we'll go ahead and kind of preview the San Francisco game and see what we have going on there. So, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Ready for it?